Pets Podcast, episode number six here at the end of August. Same as always, you are here with myself, Mike Miller from Double Bit Axe Company. You also have the one and only, the killer from Killinger, yada yada, and uh, Mr. Roy from Vintage Axe Works, bringing up our southern roots. So... We got a lot to talk about today. We got a uh, couple specifics. We got some history stuff as always. We got some axe talk, things like that. First of all, let's get a little update from Killer here. We're now in week 17 of the moving process. Yeah, you're and, in danger of being becoming uh, Killinger's moving service if you don't get that shit under control, yo. <laughs> right. Like, do you have a subcontract with U-Haul or anything like that now? <laughs> like, are you working for them or? No. It's just I'm a professional mover now. Apparently. I'm just going to keep moving my stuff for the rest of my life. Um, no, we actually, we we uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. So everything we own, basically, is now here at the new house. So what do you mean, basically? Well, there's still some odds and ends at the old place. Outdoor knickknacks and wood. And Unflushed toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Fire pits, stuff like that. Uh, bring a, another day's worth of, <clears throat> excuse me, shuffling. Um, but now everything's here. We just got to, um, we'll be out of that other place by the end of the month, which is our deadline, which is at the end of this week. So so here you go. Whenever you hand in the keys, whenever the guy extends his hands, drop them next to him, hit, make him hit the floor, and go, thanks for nothing, sucker, and walk out, and don't ever look fucking back. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what grown-ass adults do. <laughs> do it. Jesus, you're such a... And my wife says I'm a child. Well, you are. No. She's not wrong. Yeah, so it's it's going good, guys. I'll be done uh, I'll be done moving, but then the I, my life is chaos here. The shop is an absolute it's, Yeah, it looked like it. You can't even move around. And I just got a huge wholesale order. Like, Did you really? Yeah. So um, so you better get to getting. Yeah. Does that mean I have to come over and learn leatherworking 101 then? I mean, you could. I'd, I'd put you to work gluing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Talk to me about the uh, the picture that you had out there with the Jeep pulling the, uh, what was that, your snap-on uh, yeah, back or whatever was going on. What what was that? That was a pretty epic picture that you had going on there. All right, so um, I, don't, I don't currently own a pickup truck. I have a Jeep and a trailer, and then I have a fuel-efficient car that I drive back and forth to work because I commute to work. I have a little drive. Um so I have this huge snap-on box that I bought in the late 20s, mid-20s. I don't know. I've had it forever, and uh, I don't use it at work, so it, it's it's a home box. It stays at home, and um, it, I don't know what it weighs. It's a lot. So I have this Jeep and a 4x8 trailer or a 5x8 trailer, single axle, totally not capable of towing that toolbox, but I did it anyway. <laughs> I put the, I, I actually Tiff helped me with a come along and some ramps. We sure. uh we cranked this thing up onto the trailer. <laughs> Good grief. And because the, the toolbox is on wheels, um you know, it has to be up against something to keep it from rolling back and forth. So all of the weight was up on the tongue, which is on that little trailer, I mean, it's not as crucial. It'd be nice if it had a little bit less weight on the tongue, but there was no way to hold it in place, so I had to pull, push it all the way forward and strap it down real good. And, um, it was sketchy. I mean, the, the, wheel, the wheels didn't come off the ground on the Jeep or anything, but... But you could, like, turn it, and it was like, oh, man, this is turning real fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it made it. I only needed, you know, we... Luckily, we only we're only moving three miles away from our old location. We bought a house within three miles of our house, so you know I just had to go three miles, and I just took it slow and it yeah. made it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but if I had to go any farther, I would have just called a flatbed. That's how I got it to my house the first time. Looked like a nightmare. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting so. indeed. It, the picture was, uh, like I said, was pretty epic with the Jeep. And then you had the, your big snap-on thing there. So that was pretty awesome. Well, you need to get this wrapped up so then we can have the, the big Killinger Festival over at this yeah. place. And we can all invade, stay for like seven nights. Really? Yeah. Just set do up. all kind of yeah, set up and drink beer and roast meat and everything else that comes along with that. <laughs> roast meat. <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah. roast Just we'd like, to, we'd like to just do like a, a little home war- housewarming party here in late October, but I don't know if we're going to get to it or not. It's just, it's chaos, man. And right now is my wife's busy time at, at work, so. I don't know. So what kind of time frame is this order? This wholesale order? I mean, I, you know, I set the time frame, but I, the quicker I get it done, the quicker I get paid, right? Yeah. I mean, did you say, well, I can't get to it for a month or I mean, what kind of timelines you put on it? I mean, I gave myself a month to ship it out. I told them worst case scenario, I'll ship it out in a month. Yeah. But I, I hope that I can do it before that. I hate to make them wait that long. Yeah, for sure. A month seems, well, I mean, I don't know how big the order is, but it sounds like a long time. It's, it's a big, it's a significant order. It's probably, it's probably one of the bigger orders I've received. Well, that's awesome. Um, it's a mixed bag of, of nice sheets and, uh, actually since 113 pieces total. Wow. Usually I, uh, I think the biggest orders I've I've filled so far is like a hundred nice sheets at a time. I've done that a couple times for them. But the problem is, is like okay, so this weekend shot. Even though it's a three day weekend, it's just completely shot because um, I got to finish moving up, finish up at the other house, get all that done, and then I need to organize the shop to at least enough to get the space. to be able to walk around. Yeah. <laughs> To, to be able to just get to this order. Right, right, And then right, next, right. next weekend I'm going to Buckingfest. So if anybody's going to Buckingfest, I'll be set up there demonstrating. Um, stop by and say hi. So when and where is that? Uh, Buckingfest is next weekend. So September, what was that, 5th, 6th, 7th or 6th, 7th, 8th? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay. The big the big day starts on Saturday. Um, six seven eight. Yeah. So for anybody that's interested, just go to buckinbillyray.com and there's a tab for Buckinfest. You have to purchase tickets. I think you can purchase tickets at the gate. I don't know, um, but I know they have tickets for sale on the website. Um, so where where is it? Indiana. I'm not sure where at in Indiana. I just know it's in Indiana. I should really go to this thing. Like four it, hours from there. I should really go to this thing just mm-hmm. to make an appearance. What are you going to be doing there, Keller? Are you going to be demonstrating how to move? or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> proper techniques for lifting heavy furniture and tying stuff down the trailers. Um, just take your Jeep and trailer and just like <laughs> just <laughs> fucking make sure. passes around the whole thing. You got anything to move? I'll move it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So is this like, like say, proper trailer use, bungee cord use, tie-downs, <laughs> ratchet straps, things like that? That's yeah, just how you want to do this. I'll go over the different types of straps and, and tie-downs. And we'll do some knot tying. Knot tying would be good. <laughs> yeah, you got the trucker's hitch. You got the bowling. Those are good standbys. And we'll practice saying, that ain't going nowhere. <laughs> God, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, no, I'm going to set up and, and probably hang an axe and make a sheet for it or something. I don't know. Bucking asked me to be there to do stuff like that because he's, he's going to be busy uh, shaking babies and kissing hands. Yeah. Should be pretty cool. I went to Buckingfest last year, but I, I only went for the last day. 
It was pretty cool. There was a lot going on. It's a big event. So that, I mean, that kills these two weekends. And so the, I, I won't get to the next, to that order till the following weekend. So yeah, that's a lot of pressure. There's a lot going on. So last, I'm on, I'm on, uh, what the fuck is this? Fucking everything takes you to Facebook. You Google something and it, and it takes you to goddamn Facebook. Well, guess what? what? Facebook, Facebook's not dead. Facebook's fucking dead. Fuck Facebook. God, I hate Facebook. So this is Bucking Fest pictures from last year. It was in Mishawaka, Indiana. Yeah, that's not where it's at this year. I'm just fucking. What is Bucking Fest? Why is it called Bucking Fest? I don't. I have no idea what's going on here. All right, do you know who Buck and Billy Ray is? Obviously not. No. Is that a cowboy? Yeah. No, Buck and Billy Ray is a YouTube guy. He has a YouTube channel. He has a pretty big following. I think he's up to 60,000 subs now. Um, he's an up-and-comer YouTube, has been, and he's awesome. He he does a lot of uh, – restores a lot of axes. He, he does a lot of chainsaw videos. He's a McCulloch collector. He's got a huge collection of McCulloch chainsaws. Um, he goes out and, and he's a tree follower or a logger. That's what he does for a living. Um, so he, he videotapes all that and he drops just, he lives out in what British Columbia. Yeah. Okay. So he, he just drops these ginormous West coast trees and, um, his videos are very entertaining. He's very positive and very outgoing individual. And this year on Axemen, on what is it, discovery or history? Mm-hmm. History, history. He's on he's on that show this year. So he's just a he's a I, I call him a YouTube personality. I mean he's he's just an all around good dude and very outgoing. And so Buckingfest is just his way of getting getting to America. Some of his fans and um, they, they do all the little demonstrations and saw sharpening and talk about saw. Salt techniques and axe throwing and um, axe hanging and just the all around the stuff that we're into, but maybe a little bit more on the chainsaw side of things. Is he the guy that they had? Uh, I had, I had saw one of the advertisements, I think, from one of the commercials where, like, you walk into his, it's like a shop or a garage, and there's like 75 chainsaws in there. Same. Is that that's him? Okay. So I'm I'm on the website right now and it's not Bucking Fest this year it's Bucking Stock and it's oh. in Union Michigan this year ten days to the event. Let's I think see. it was Bucking Stock. I was just mistaken. Sorry guys, Bucking Stock. So you had uh, the name wrong and the state wrong. Like do do you know where you're going? No, he's just he's just driving around with the trailer. He doesn't give a shit. Like this is so. This is how you use a ratchet strap. Take some WD-40 with it. Duct tape. You can take some of that. Maybe some uh, that uh, the bubble wrap stuff like that. Are you going to be doing the moving thing at Bucking uh, Bucking Ruckin' or whatever it's called? You got some chainsaws that need to be moved from this place to that place. I'm your man. They're from the wrong state. Did you say it was in Michigan? Says about yeah. the event, modern day Woodstock. If Woodstock actually had anything to do with wood, come come hang out with Buck and Billy Ray and witness him in action. Make sure to grab your tickets and come and witness peace, love, and wood cutting. One, two, three, go! Ticket prices: fifty bucks. Time and location: September sixth through September eighth. Summit Union, Michigan. Says Union, Michigan. Zip wow. code four nine one three zero. Let me. Do a little mapsy search and see how far away this is. I was completely off. I was headed to the wrong state. Where you don't fuck. You don't freaking know. How far that is from my house. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh, get some directions here. I'm home. Come on. What the I, 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 
And this week we're going to talk about how uh, to use Google Maps. How to use Google Maps. It's four hours and 50 minutes away. So it's right by Elkhart and South Bend. It's it, well, it's just north of Elkhart. So I mean, it's it's like literally 15 minutes over the border into Michigan. It's not too bad. It's, it's at the bottom of the mitt, then, as they talk about. Yeah, I should probably go to that. I should probably go to that. How far from Toledo is that? Um, it is two hours and ten minutes from Toledo. Nice. So you want to come down and pick me up and then we can drive over? Ha <laughs> ha. All right. So that's what you're doing that weekend. Well, yeah. killer all owes us because we we just saved him from driving to the wrong state to a fest <laughs> where he's going to display on how to use bungee cords and ratchet straps. So you can owe us one for that there, killer. I'll, I'll okay. hold on to that one for a while. Hey, I can't believe I was so far <laughs> off. I don't understand what I did. I don't know. Last year it was in Indiana. I, for some reason, I thought it was in Indiana this year. Killer, it's okay. I mean, you're probably, you know, you're under a lot of mental stress. You've been moving now for eight months and uh, <laughs> trying to get everything over to the new house and get everything straight. So, you know, that's uh, that's a lot. A lot going on right there. I can believe you were off. To put this in, in perspective, we made the offer on this house Memorial Day weekend. Well, things Summertime. go slowly. Summer of moving for the Callender household. We killers. So, so listen, um, Mishawaka to where it is to Union. I mean, seriously, it's probably twenty minutes away, thirty minutes away. So they're very, very close to each other. Oh, okay, that's probably why you're all jacked up, <clears throat> amongst other things. All right, moving on. Thanks, Bucking. <laughs> Bucking fest for stock, Bucking stock. Jam- jamboree, whatever it's called. Bucking stock. Completely wrong. All right, so since I've got my interweb open here, I wanted to do a big shout-out to eBay seller, U-G-L-A-S-A-Y-E-R-S. You're a fucking moron. Um, (laughs) Because you're the guy that is peddling your freaking wife. He's got 29 listings for sale. And of those 29, 10 of them are freaking Tits McGee shots. And it gets worse as you go down the list. Like, so um, most of them are just like, I'm holding an axe head. And right between are freaking big, squishy boobs. But then, <laughs> then she's got some hammers. So where's the hammerhead? Right in her freaking cleavage. And she's got, there's, she's, <laughs> there's one of them, she's like laid out. <laughs> this hammer is on her freaking chest right between her tits. And then the other one, she's got like this pose like this. And you can see her fat rolls coming down right below her boobs. And she's got this little ball peen hammer stuck right between her cleavage. It is so trashy and so tasteless. And that guy should be embarrassed for putting his wife up to this bullshit. So go fuck yourself. What a I mean, moron. You know. Not to be critical on the show or anything like that ever, but uh, all right. I'll be critical all I freaking want to this guy. He's right. seriously, this is embarrassing. So Can you he, see, like, how many sold items does he have? Like, uh, if you look at his ratings, like, you know, over the past month or six months, like, has he been selling anything? So, like, is the boob trick working, I guess, is the question. He's got his page. He's got 2,027. He's got a red star. So I don't know what that means. I don't get on here often. I don't know, like, well, uh, can you go on to see past look, items or something like you that? you got to look at his uh, feedback ratings, and it'll list how many sales that he has over the month, six months, and 12 months. Okay. So I want to point out that Roy keeps saying he, do- he doesn't get on eBay often, but he was on eBay last week and now again. Mm-hmm. So... And- 
And he doesn't use Facebook, but he he knows of it, at least. He knows it's out there. So um, I said, and I'll reiterate myself, you buttholes, that I get on here about once a week to see what's going on. And I want to do a fucking – I want to do a just a, a weekly check on this guy just to see how much smut he's peddling. <laughs> and if someone like, could you imagine if one of his friends like, dude, I was listening to Legitimus podcast and they're bashing the shit out of you. That would be hilarious. Well, maybe not they, but Roy is. So that's fine. All right. Recent feedbacks in the last 12 months. He's got 38 positive last six months, 164 last 12 months, 330. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, he's moving, he's moving <clears throat> product. So it's he's not making, like the boobs are hurting him. He's making an honest living. Leave him alone. But I'm looking at the items for sale and it's just horseshit. It's like, all right. One, one listing that he sold here, the Norland camp act camper acts 24 inch. Um, like the other stuff is just horseshoes, a bench vice, Harley Davidson shit. So just dumb. Anyway, there we go. So next up, interweb stuff, yesteryear. Well, what do you got going on? We talked about what Keller has going on. His has been the same story now for the past, as we said, last six weeks. Um, nothing new with the Keller front. What do you got going on down south? Uh, so I started on that uh, Kelly World's Finest uh, Connecticut yesterday, and um, it's turning out really freaking nice. I got the handle all done, shaped up to 220. That thing is so fucking slick, man. Um so I'm really, really pumped on that. Um, I'm going to do the head work today, get it hung, get it in the oil. I'll probably make the sheath for it today also. Um, typically, I, I uh, will put the axe in the oil, let it soak overnight or whatever, and then uh, pull it out, wipe everything down, and then make the sheath. But I want to get it done and out the door. Uh, by, I'd like to do it tomorrow, get it out the door tomorrow. Um, so I'll just hang it, get it done and then, uh, make the sheath, then throw in the oil. The problem with shipping it out so quickly after the oil is it tends to weep for a while. So whenever I take it out of the oil, excuse me, and then I'll, um, put it up here. I'll just stand it upside down, uh, for typically overnight, um, to let all that excess uh, linseed oil uh, seep out of the eye, and then it tends to to weep out of the pores also. So I'm constantly rubbing it down and uh, wiping off the eye because any of that excess linseed oil, as we all know, tends to freaking gum up and leave these nasty freaking sticky trails all the way down the wood. That oil gets on the head, that'll leave a big freaking residue mark on there. It's just kind of a nightmare. And, and that's honestly, that's the reason why I started soaking my axes all together. Um, back in the day, I used to have a, uh, a Tupperware container and I would just put the head in there about halfway and just dip some oil on my hand and run it down the handle and, you know, go up and down a couple times. Uh, do what? I'll say it again. How you do that? Show, so I'll take it and I'll stroke the handle up and down, get it all nice and wet and oily, and then I'll do the double stroke. For, <laughs> oh yeah, um, get it all nice and hard and oily and. <laughs> Who's the kid? Who's the child? Killinger. <laughs> you fucking fool. No, but um, right where the head would be in the Tupperware container, it would leave a line of oil, and it would be really sticky, and it would take me about 20 minutes to clean it all off. And and the handle especially, um, there was just always, if you didn't get the right amount on there at the right time, it would there would be too much on there, and it couldn't soak in. And it the, the next day, it would never 
penetrate the wood and it would just be this sticky glob and it was just a freaking nightmare. So I built my little submersion tank and uh, I haven't had that problem. But now the problem is uh, even if I invert the head, leave it set overnight, put some paper towels under the eye. <clears throat> and then the next day I'll put the eye or the, the axe in my rack and then sometimes some residual oil will run out uh, from the bottom of the eye down the handle. So I'm always kind of watching that and trying to wipe it down just to keep an eye on that. Just first world problems. Freaking worried about oil. So I know that we will get the question based off of this. So are we talking about, because this is important. Oh, a lot God. Of guys, a lot of guys spread over this. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about linseed oil? Or are we talking about boiled linseed oil? Boiled linseed oil. I just okay. leave off the word boiled because it's right. kind of implied. Okay. That's what I thought. I just want to make sure so that we could answer that question before it ever got asked. And I get, while we're on the subject, can you please tell us your encounter with boiled linseed oil? <laughs> Holy fuck. I know where you're talking. I know what you're talking about. All right. So for the guys out there, um, that use any amount of linseed oil or any oil whatsoever, it is flammable. And not only is it <gasps> flammable, it is, uh, uh, da, da, it will, what, what am I thinking of? It will spontaneously combust. Spontaneously combust. That is a very real thing. Um, so last year I was cleaning a bunch of axes and I have a trash can downstairs, a plastic trash can in my basement. And I had about 20 paper towels soaked in linseed oil where I'm wiping them down and cleaning them up. And I just threw them in the trash can. And then luckily about three, three hours later, I'm sitting here at my computer station doing some stuff or whatever. And what? What's that? <laughs> I'm sitting here and I start smelling smoke. And so I immediately run into the kitchen. I think the stove is jacked up or something. And then I look down the stairs and it's just filled with fucking smoke. And I ran down the steps and my trash can, there were flames shooting up out of my freaking trash can. The top is melted. So I grabbed it, ran up the stairs, went out on my patio and I threw it on the freaking patio and I doused it with my water hose. It scared the absolute shit out of me. So had I not been home, my house would have burned to the fucking ground. Um, so I've been, I, I, I'm a woodworker. Um, I've been, uh, in shops. Um, you know, I, I, I took woodworking in high school and I took it in vocational school and I've always been, around shop and equipment stuff and there's always a big red pail that says put oily saturated rags in here and for whatever reason i was just a big freaking moron and i didn't i always just kind of thought like oil like literally like oily like motor oil soaked rags from like i don't know a milling machine or a lathe or something because you're always uh dousing the part to cool the cutter head I just didn't think about linseed oil on paper towels, but it is a very, very real thing, and it is super dangerous. So now, after every time that I do that, I get them wet, and then I take them out into my stove in my shop, and I close the door, and I just leave them in there. There's actually a, a real famous event. I don't remember what year or whatever, but if you Google um – Boiled linseed oil rags spontaneously combust. You'll most likely have the story come up where they were finishing some hardwood floors and the rags fire mm-hmm. burnt down. Whatever it was that they were working on. So, yeah, it's. <clears throat> I I don't know that I knew that when I started messing around with axes. Um, yeah. And I think I just got lucky until that I until I uh, knew about it. So. It could happen to anybody. Absolutely. And um, the the reason that it spontaneously combusts is that the, the oil is trying to evaporate. And whenever you've got a whole bunch of, of oily rags or paper towels or whatever wadded up together, it's super concentrated. And whenever it's evaporating, that 
that reaction causes it to heat up. And so you can imagine a whole bunch of paper towels in a plastic trash can, how much heat was generated, and it just starts, you know, feeding off of itself. And all of a sudden, it literally spontaneously combusts. So if I was at the post office or if I was taking my dog for a walk or even if I was out in the shop and I had some equipment going on or whatever, I, I think it would have been too late because in, in our basement, we have a drop ceiling. So that, that trash can was pushed up against the wall. There's, there's like 70s style paneling down there. Um, literally within 10 minutes, it would have been a very, very different story. So yeah. I'm, I'm really fortunate. Uh, that everything kind of happened the way that it did, and it wasn't any worse than it was. So, be warned. Linseed yeah, oil will... Girls learn from Roy's mistake. Yeah, well, it happens. So that's what's going on with me. What the hell? You got, you got you cut your head back there, Killinger? You got a Band-Aid oh, on your head? Yeah, I, I got I got double whacked yesterday shaving my head. I came out of the shower, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> you big dummy. Yeah. I slipped on a rock last night, taking Joey out, and uh you know how you have a, a couple of uh couple of beers in you and you and something happens like you stub your toe or cut your finger or something and it it's like ah that kinda hurts, but it's not really a big deal because you're a little tipsy or whatever, and then you look down and for me and uh, I looked down while I was brushing my teeth, and I was standing in a fucking pool of blood. I, <laughs> I, I cut the shit out of my foot. I slipped on a rock because it's been raining. It was raining all day yesterday, and I just el slipo, el sliceo. That's me. I'm a fucking train wreck. No, that Matthew Justice is a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Matthew Justice. <laughs> he tends to sneak his way into these episodes pretty frequently. <laughs> we'll call that a success. Yeah. All right. What about you, Miller? What's going on over there? You got any act stuff? Because we're just rambling on about horse shit. Uh, let's see. Nothing new this week as far as arrivals or anything like that. Um was really the first week of being able to send some stuff out from stuff being sold. So that oh, yeah. was uh, that was a positive. That was a very good takeaway. Interesting. The shipping part sucked, uh, which we'll talk about here for a second. And then um, just this week, I'm not sure if you guys can see here behind me, but we got all the books and the catalogs and all that stuff laid out here for the possible post-yesteryear's apocalypse is uh upon us is going to be happening here so i gotta be uh, the trigger man and be at the ready but so i'll share my quick shipping story real quick this had never happened to me before shipping an axe so i have this single bit axe probably about 32 inches long altogether go to send it out digging through in the garage and i pull out two uh postage boxes and they're medium flat rate boxes so I go and I'm doing my thing where I'm putting them both together, get the axe in there, get everything all taped up, address on there, whatever. And I take them down to the post office. I walk up to the lady and she says, uh, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, I want to ship this out. She goes, well, you're not allowed to alter these medium flat rate boxes. Okay. I said, I said what do you mean? I said, I've done this. I couldn't even tell you how many times. She goes, no, mm -hmm. a medium flat rate box you have to leave as a medium flat rate box. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to get the medium flat rate. I'm just trying to ship this thing out. So charge me whatever it's going to be. She goes, no, well, we can't do that. She goes, you have to use the regular skinny mailing boxes if you're going to alter them. I'm like, okay, fair enough. If this is how we're going to play this, so I take my package, I go out, I grab every single meat or the the mailing box that they have, like 30 of them. I take them all back, undo the box. Put the mailing boxes all together. Got everything all taped up, ready to go. Getting ready to send this off. And I put one of my Double Bed Axe Company stickers right by the address. So, mm -hmm. obviously, the gentleman getting the package is going to know that this is coming from me. Get it there. Lady's like, oh, this looks great. Go in there. She goes, what's this? And she points at my sticker. And oh, I my said, God. I said, that's that's my 
That's where I'm sending this from. That's my company. And she goes, do you have an axe in here? I said, yeah, shipping this axe. This guy bought an axe. I said, I, I'm in here all the time. I'm receiving axes, sending axes out, whatever. She goes, well, technically that's a weapon. Holy like, shit. Come on. And I said, no. I said, this one here is definitely not a weapon. I said, this is an antique from about a hundred years ago. This is going to be display piece only. There's going to be no weapon, no chopping, no nothing. I said, this is a, a piece of history. She goes, I don't know. She goes, that, that's a sharp edged weapon. She goes, that, that's, that's a weapon. I don't know if we can send this. <laughs> and I said to her, listen, if I didn't have my sticker on there, you would have no idea what this was. And this is how this has all gone down however many times before. She goes, well, now that you told me, though, it's your responsibility. That's why we ask the questions about hazardous waste, perfume, whatever they are, lithium battery, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, this is not a weapon. I, I'm not doing anything with this. The guy I'm giving it to is not going to do anything with this, whatever. Next thing I know, she calls over the quote-unquote manager. This lady comes over, and I'm like, I'm fucked. I'm going to have to redo this whole thing again. I'm not going to get this out on time, whatever. Oh, God. She comes over and she has this laminated cheat sheet and she's going down through and she's like, so is it a, is it a knife, dagger or a sword? And I said, nope, not on the list. We're good to go. And the lady's like, well, this, the first lady, not the manager, she's like, well, it is a sharp edge tool or a weapon. And I said, it can have a sharp edge. I said, this one you can't do anything with. I'm not on the list, ladies. I said, let's ship this thing out. Let's do this. And the lady's like, well, an axe is not on the list. I said, very good. Here we go. Measure that son of a bitch up and charge me whatever it's going to be. Let's get this out of here. Ship it. So finally they did take it. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, if this is the way that this is going to be, I'm like, this is absolute madness. So I guess my, my thought of the day or the tip is, is like, if you're sending stuff out, I don't know if it was just this particular lady at this particular post office, but I guess just keep it incognito the best you can. I've never had that happen to me, either uh, stuff incoming or stuff being sent out. But I uh, went and I sent out two more yesterday in the regular mailing boxes, all taped up, <laughs> no sticker on them or anything like that, obviously. <laughs> and she sort of chuckled at me, and she didn't she didn't say anything, so she sent them out without issue. But I thought I was going to have to burn the post office down there for a second. Dude, that is total horseshit. Total horseshit. Every, okay, so I'll, I'll just jump right in here. Um, everything that I ship out, uh, I print out shipping labels, and it's got my logo on there. The ladies at the post office, I show them pictures of what I'm shipping out. So sometimes, uh, as you guys know, I'll make a wooden crate. Other times, especially if it's to the West Coast, um, the post office, they have large flat rate box boxes that are designed for um, game boards. Game boards, exactly. And you take two of those and you telescope them together. So this is funny. Um, up until I went to Vegas, I was shipping anything into the West Coast, I would ship that way in those two boxes, and I would just sandwich them together, tape them together, and put them in the mail at my local post office, no problem. They And whenever I would have two of them together, they're like, oh, this is not a flat rate, so we'll just charge you actual shipping charges. And here's another thing that I'll suggest to you, Miller. If you're ever shipping out a full-size axe, take the measurements before you go in because it's one less thing that the postal worker has to do. And if you can minimize any step for them, it makes – the transaction easier. Um, so fast forward, I go to Las Vegas. So I thought, well, I'm going to be in Vegas. This, this axe is going to California. I'll just take it with me and I'll ship it from, from there and I'll get a better rate. So I throw it up on the freaking counter and the guy in Las Vegas was like, we can't ship this. Well, what, what are you talking about? Well, you're, you're trying to scam the system. You're trying to get a flat rate, um, flat rate cost for this package and clearly you're using two of them i go dude i don't care what it costs just ship it and he said well we we cannot ship it because it has all these upc codes on there so they took a marker and they had to mark out all the upc codes um or the barcodes not upc the barcodes and then he charged me you know whatever it was 25 bucks or 
whatever. I, I was like, dude, just charge me the actual shipping cost for this. I don't give a shit. Um, so then I, I mistakenly told that story to my local post office because I'd never had that problem before. And then the ladies were like, you know what? They're kind of right. So anytime you bring us one with two flat rates sandwiched together, just either black out the barcodes or just put over a blank, uh, you know, a <clears throat> blank, blank address label over it. And I never have any problems. And here's one thing even funnier. So whenever I first got into this and I was first shipping my wooden crates, everyone was like, you need to go to UPS. They've got better rates. Well, the post office is literally a five-minute walk from my house. So there's that. So the po- the uh, UPS, they're 30 minutes away. So I take one of my crates up there to them. And uh, I go, I want to ship this uh, just kind of, you know, uh, UPS ground or whatever. And they're like, where's the box? I go, what, what are you talking about? I go, the crate is the, the box. It's the container. Well, everything that we ship out has to be in a cardboard box. So we're going to have to package that up. I go, you're, you're out of your freaking mind. I purposely built this so I didn't have to put it in a cardboard box. Well, everything we ship has got to be in a cardboard box. I snatch it up. Get the fuck out of here. And I walked out the freaking door. What a bunch of morons. I was just really amazed because, like I said, I had never had that happen to me before. And the other ladies that have been in there have never said anything to me. So I think it was just more of an individual teller. It probably was. Yeah, because she's given me a little bit of a hard time before about just making sure stuff is absolutely 100% correct, which, hey, I get. I mean, you're doing your job. You want to make sure it's right. But I was just – I thought for sure – I was like, man, this this is it. This place is getting burned down. <laughs> I've had I've had many encounters with my post office. For one, they won't let me ship anything out with duct tape on it. They won't accept it. Really? And it's funny because I'll get packages sent to me with duct tape, and they don't yeah. say anything. But if I try to ship it out with duct tape, they won't let me do it. Um, one of my most more unique experiences with the post office is I got in a standoff with the cashier. <laughs> My debit card. <laughs> you, know, you, know how you, you know, sometimes you don't sign your debit card so that yeah. they ask your ID. I, uh, I was trying to pay for shipping and I handed him my debit card and there was no signature on it. And he says, I can't accept this. You have to sign your card. And I said, no, here's my ID. He's like, no, sir, you have to sign your card. I'm like, I'm not signing my card. It's my card. I'm not signing it. Here's my ID. He's like, well, I can't accept that. I'm like, well, I don't know how we're going to pay for this. And then we we stood there for a good five minutes, and then I signed my ID. Or my <laughs> card. <laughs> you cracked under pressure. I cracked under pressure. He bowed to the system. He did. But I don't go to that post office anymore either. Yeah. Because that guy's just super anal. He's the most eccentric person I've ever met. He was just following the rules, killer. Okay, he's just trying to do his job, right? Just trying to do his job. Totally. <laughs> For, fortunately, I've got a great relationship with the ladies at my post office. Um, they're awesome. They're really awesome. I'm very lucky. All right. So, should we delve into the hot topic here of the last, I don't know, 24 hours, maybe 36 hours, whatever's going on? But it appears that the yesteryear tool site is down. Yeah. Can't get into it. Not really sure what exactly is going on. Have a couple ideas with what's going on, but don't know those for 100% fact. So, obviously, the axe world and all of its disciples are in absolute (laughs) pandemonium mode right now because the number one information site and rightfully so is uh, no longer there so i know killer i think you had stated that you uh you just got the books then right yeah when as soon as um i saw that post yesterday about it being down i checked on it a couple times throughout the day and i'm like look this is uh this is kind of scary so I went straight over to eBay. I, I had the 10 books in my wa- watch list, 
Um, the ten. Yeah, what you got right there. And it's just ten, right? Ten Tom Lamont books. So there's there's the nine, like there's the nine basic ones, like the uh, you know, well, you manufacturing just books. Read off the titles of those. Uh, so you got the Philadelphia Axe Manufacturers and Related Articles. So that goes over all the guys that are in the Philly area there. You got the Axe Manufacturers and Purveyors in Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio. You have the Canadian Axe Manufacturers and Purveyors, which I believe this was the last one, if I remember right. Don't hold me to that, but I think that was the last one issued. Canada. Um, you got the Axe Manufacturers Purveyors in Northern New England, which is Maine, New Hampshire, and Vermont. You have the Collins and Company Manufacturing, uh, Collins and Company, blah, 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 1826 to 1966. You have the Man Axe Making Dynasty and the Managed Tool Company. You have the one for Kelly, W.C. Kelly, Kelly Axe, Kelly Axe and Tool, blah, blah, blah. Then there's this one, which is actually the Collins Company, and it says Catalog G. So this is actually not like a manufacturing reference. This is the reprint of the catalog. Oh, that's cool. And this is the catalog that is very interesting. This is the 1923 catalog. And not to get sidetracked here, but one of the really, really interesting pieces in here, I'm not sure a lot of guys know this about Collins. And I've been trying to dig into this. I haven't really got anywhere, but... Obviously, there's a little uh, insert here in the front, you know, that they go over. They're talking about how awesome they are and, you know, this, that, and the other. What is very interesting, now, again, 1923, it says, With the additional capacity of our Lewistown, Pennsylvania plant, we are now in a position to render exceptionally prompt service. Hmm. Lewistown is kind of synonymous with man. Correct. Now, that's the only reference that I've ever seen to that. Very interesting. So trying to figure out where man and Collins, obviously we know about what happened in 66 with that whole thing. So were these guys sort of in bed together? Were, was that plant actually the man plant and they were just making stuff for Collins, putting their name on it? Did they actually have a separate plant? I haven't really been able to find that out yet, but that's what this one is. So it's just the, uh, the reprint of the catalog which is awesome. If you look in the back, it has all their plows that they have. Uh, machetes, obviously, swords, all the other stuff. Next one is the Manufacturers Purveyors, Southern New England. So you have the Northern New England one. Now we have the Southern New England, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. So there's a little bit of uh, go over there with the Collins and everything. And then what I think is his best one out of all of them is this yellow book. And this is the axes and associated hand tools used in logging, lumbering, and related activities. This, if you need a reference, this is it. This has everything and anything that you would ever want to know about axes, logging, everything like that. Patterns, types. It doesn't go into specifics with the companies. This is all about what you got with the actual axes, um, nomenclature, the styles. It has all this stuff in there. Interesting. And it is really good. Let's look and see if that was included in the Saturn. Now, what is interesting is that there are errors in the book. Okay. Okay. So you want to guess what the number one error is? Oh, the Rockaway pattern. (laughs) But there's a couple other ones in there. Again, it's nothing major or anything like that. Kudos to Tom. I mean... There's no one that's ever going to be doing this axe thing, whether it's myself or somebody else, that's not going to make an error. That's just the reality of the situation. There's too much information out there. It is going to change over time. We will continue to update it. But those are the 10 Le Mans books that I know of. And there might be another one out there, but I believe those are the 10. So, yeah, I went I went straight to eBay and bought those. Because if, if this is down, then those will be gone soon, and then you'll never. It's gone. If you don't have that information, you'll never get it. So do we think this is the first thing I thought of? And again, I have no idea if this is true or holds any water. So do we think that, bam, the site goes down, I want to sell books? 
fever erupts, everybody's turning into zombies. I got to go buy the books. Zombies. Because when I put those, when I hit buy it now, there were only 11 of those sets in stock. Yeah. dead. That's not very many. Oh, Miller froze. Look at the eBay. look. eBay's oh. dead. I'm going to go out and get on eBay right now and look for look for them. But anyway, so sorry, I lost connection there. But do we think that that is a plausible explanation? Perhaps. What? I think I'm, I think we missed it. That, that, oh, I'm just going to take the site down because I want to sell as many books as I can. I don't I know. We had 11 sets. Ten are still available right now, and I'm looking at the listing right now, and uh, what Miller was talking about, that last one, the Axe and Associated Hand Tools, it is included in that price. Ten available, five have sold. Free shipping, $260 hairs. That was just the first thing that I thought of. I was like, well, maybe if I wasn't moving these books or whatever, hey, I don't know, I'm not saying anything. That was just the first thing I thought of. Number two is the worst case scenario. Let's say that the site is down and it never comes back. I know yesterday I didn't know what was going on. Like I thought there was like an, I don't know, like a missing child, Adam or whatever that's called alert. It's like, I just, Amber alert. Bam. yeah, like bam, message, bam, message, bam. And I'm like, what is going on? Like all within a couple minutes, like Mike, yesteryear is down. Do you know what's going on? And I, I was like, I, I have no idea. So of course I had to go and check and of course it was down. I mean, we'll see what we can try and figure out, but um, this is a huge deal because there's no other resource like that. No, no, no I mean, there's it, not. It's, it's the Bible. I mean, there's no other way of getting around it. I mean, um, it's quick, it's easy, it's it's in a very uh, easy to follow format. Pretty quick to reference. I know I can get on it with my phone. There's no real. There's a little bit of uh, issue with trying to see the page you know, on a couple of them, but overall. No, it's a great reference on the fly. Yeah. Um, so what I would think that we need to do is we need uh, to probably contact Drew and see what his intentions are, or maybe it's, I don't know, it says here on this uh, eBay listing that the seller is currently away, so Maybe fingers crossed he's just out of town. Something's going on and didn't know that it is. No, they 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 immediately shipped my books. Oh really? Yeah. Well, well from okay. what I know, that's not Drew selling them on eBay. That's somebody else. Well, it's in Lynbrook, New York. That's where it says that it's from. And whenever I was doing a lot of travel with my wife, um, I hit Drew up because I was. 20 minutes away from his house and I was like hey dude you mind if I come over and I want to purchase these books uh, and he was like yeah for sure and then just the timing and everything kind of got off and I wasn't able to make it which is unfortunate because I would love to have just gone over there to see everything that he has from his dad's collection and, um, see what's left or whatever but uh, I don't know I think uh, this is a big huge deal um, for all of us axe nerds that uh use the site uh, on a regular basis. I, I wonder... Think, all the information what? I was looking at websites not in those books. Right? It's different. So it, the, the info that is on the website is in the book, but there is actually more information in the books themselves. There's actually quite a bit more information in the books. Yeah, you, the web the website's kind of a, a distilled down version of the books. It's a great jump off. But um, do you think all everything that's on the website is at least in the books? Everything that is on the website, as far as what I know, is in the books. Yes. Okay. Well, so if you're listening to this, better buy the books. Writing's on the wall. I've only got four of them. Slacker. I know. I know. I know there are some individual books for sale on on eBay as well. So, well, the la I ordered. I think one. I think I ordered the Kelly book first, 
and then I ordered the three others uh, that I have. I got the Philadelphia Man and Collins. I ordered those at one time, and um, Drew put in there. He's like, "I'll give you a deal on all of them if you buy these all, you know, the remaining ones uh, as a set." Uh, and just whatever happened, I freaking lost the email, or it wasn't an email; it was a hard copy, and he listed out the different prices for them and everything. Um, I should have done it. Poopy, poopy. Well, let's see what we can figure out here. So there's there's obviously a couple different ways that we can get in touch with Drew to see exactly what the state of affairs are. Um, you know, I, I don't know what his thoughts or intentions are, but we will uh, we will see what we can figure out. Yeah, maybe he doesn't even want to be uh, a part of it. Maybe he doesn't want to run it. Uh, or maybe he just uh, forgot to re-up the uh, domain and uh, hosting site subscription. I don't know. Hopefully it's just a little blip and it'll be back up. Um, or maybe, Miller, you should contact Drew and go, hey, listen, I want to be the curator of this site. I want I want to buy that domain and buy all that data who knows where the guy set the website up? Um, if he like did it on like what platform he used to set up that website or whatever. But Miller could own all that information and be the holder of all the info. The keeper of the info. Yeah, he's the gatekeeper. What are you ticky tacking on back there, yo? I'm contacting him right now. He doesn't fuck. He doesn't fuck around. Like, really a podcast? Yeah, really. We're talking. We could respond right now, so we can let the listeners know. Real live communication. God. All right, so I sent that off to him. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because I know I I, I try and sometimes think about the amount of contact that Tom must have had with emails and stuff like that. And I know I've talked about this before. I did have the ability to talk to him a couple of times and he was a little bit on the grumpy side. And I think what that was mostly about was the amount of contact that he got from people. And I think it was probably, it's not probably there's no thinking about it. It's overwhelming because I know sometimes there's a few days where I'm just like, wow, like what is going on? Um, mm-hmm. you know, people are, you know, all over the place, you know, this, that, or the other, which, which is okay. I mean, it's, you know, but for him and the, the amount of info that he had, the, the time, the research, I'm sure that the questions were inundating for him. And, you know, maybe Drew doesn't want anything to do with it. So I, I guess we'll see. I mean, as soon as I know something, I'll let everybody know. And, you know, there might be other people that have uh, the ability to be able to contact him and you know, we'll go from there. How long? Did it take him to compile all this info? Do you know? Do you know that timeline? It's, it was years. I know. In looking at the boxes, there's uh, some of the communication that's gone back and forth between him and the museums, him mm-hmm. and different different gentlemen. Uh, so like McPhail over on the West Coast, Clenman that you know did the axe makers in North America. Years, long time, fifteen twenty years. So do you know? Do you know? I know we're kind of getting off. Um, well, not getting off, going down a rabbit hole on this, but do you know if he had a large collection of axes prior to all this, or do you know how he got into it, or, or any of the backstory on his his connection to axes? Uh, I don't know his backstory or what the uh, what the driving force was, you know, what his interest was. I do not know that. Um, I know that he did have some axes. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them that are up there on the mantle originated from him. And, uh, but as far as like how many that he had and stuff like that, I know that, that they did make their way into different hands across the country, but I, I do have some of them, but I know I don't have all of them. What are you doing, Chris Killinger? You freaking moron. You're a moron. So we'll see what happens with that. But of course, obviously I had to start getting some of the stuff out. And uh, going through some of the things, and 
getting out some of these guys. Oh, that's cool. What Mike Miller's holding up is a council catalog. What year is that? looks like it's 1975 or 1985. This is in the 80s. Um, Yeah. But, you know, council, there's not a lot out there with council. Like I said, they're sort of like the – they're like that missing dinosaur that, like, someone has just found and it it disrupts the whole entire uh, timeline of things. Now, this one is interesting. What are you holding up? This is a council catalog, but it's more of a go-over about the company. Ah. Like, like once-over, which is interesting because I got with our boy Roost, and he got with the guys at council, and they didn't even know that this existed. Seriously? But I guess that they ended up that they did find one at the company. So as far as I know, there's only two of these, one I have and one that they have, I guess. I'm sure there's more out there. There's gotta be more out there, but it's. How'd you uh, get a whole, how'd you come across that thing? What's the story behind that? This, this I bought off of eBay, actually. What the fuck? Yeah, I got that off of eBay. eBay's dead. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool here on the back. It has the specs on the layout of the plants, what they were called, stuff like that. The buildings, main plant, warehouse, office. You know, blah, blah, blah. Interesting. Presses, 55 ton, 135 ton, 200 ton, die shop, open side shapers, vert mill, Bridgeport vert mill, blah, blah, blah. But this is all the stuff that I got to pound through then in order to be able to try and get up to like maybe even one one hundredth of Le Monde level, if we're going to have that. Yeah. So was it McPhail that said, uh, if you need, if you want to start writing an axe book, you need to get. You're not even close to being qualified, or something like that. It was. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so Larry, I've talked to many a time, bought many of axes off of him. He's the one that did the second edition of the Axe Makers of North America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This guy. Okay. So this is a hard, hardbound one, which there's only so Ooh. many of these out there. This is signed. By Clenman and McPhail. So Clenman did the first edition. Uh huh. McPhail did the second edition. So, been talking to him, blah, blah, blah. And this one came out. When did this one come out now? I forget. But it's been years if you're talking about the grand scheme of things. Right, 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 right. The original one, 1990, the second one in 2006. So we're 13, 14 years past. Obviously, we know way more now than what we knew in 2006, right? Mm-hmm. Overall. So I go to him one day, I'm talking with him, and very similar to Lamond, he, he, number one, he's a great guy, little different on what day that you talk to him, okay, and I'm sure it's the same for him, he's getting questions, people are, you know, hey, what do you know about this, I have this on Marted, is this worth a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I tell him, I say, hey, listen, you know, I've been digging in, I've been doing this research, I'm interested, I, I want to do a book at one point. Can I do the third edition of the Axe Makers in North America? And he didn't take to that very lightly. <laughs> and basically said that I hadn't put in enough time or research or anything like that. And I needed to put in more time, probably somewhere in the, in the area of 10 to 15 years of more time before I could release the third edition. Oh my so, God. Okay. All right. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the feedback. And uh, that was it. So, who knows if that will ever come to be. But to me, you know, what was it, 90 to six to 2006, 15 years, 16 years? Yeah. You, you could take a book like that and you could update that about every 15 to 20 years. Easy. Even if I did one right now and say 2020, another 15 years, you're going to be able to update that. There's no doubt in my mind. So that was sort of where I was going with that. I didn't mean to say that his book was no good or slight his book. It's a hell of a reference. Uh, a lot of great information in it. Um, are there some things that we need to update? Absolutely. But I didn't mean, I think I sort of came off wrong to him or he took me the wrong way. And that was not my intention. My intention was like, hey, listen, I just want to help out this overall process. This is my passion. Can I do the third edition and still keep the name? And, yeah, that that did not go over too well. 
So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what that holds in the future. But operator 1975 was not worthy enough. That just blows my mind. You need 15 more years of research. Which I get. I mean, you look at all, even the stuff that I have. I mean, the majority of it I've read through. I got to go back through and I got to read it again to then like get a second comprehension of it. Yeah. And I, I know I got to go back through again and again because there's all the tidbits and little pieces of information. How do you piece things together between the companies and stuff like that? And there's so much information that we don't have. I'll share a quick piece. I don't know if I told you guys this yet, but one of the great things that's come out of the podcast is guys obviously messaging me and saying, Hey, listen, you know, um, one of the things that I definitely want to do is either the museum or this stuff is all going to go to the Smithsonian so that we all have it for later on. That will happen one way or another. Um, I had a gentleman, he sent me a picture of a letter that he has that Kelly wrote man in the very early 1900s, basically saying, Hey, listen, you have great looking axes. They're of high quality. However, the prices that you're selling them at are way too low. You're killing the market. So why don't we come to an agreement about the prices on these axes? Cartel, baby. <laughs> like 1905. I'll have to look it up when that was. It's tremendously early, but a piece of history like that shows that this whole marketing behind the scenes, price fixing cartel, if you want to call it that, that shit was going on in like 1890, 1895, 1900. And you know that it was, I mean, you had the whole, you know, American acts and that conglomerate and all that shit going on. But to me, that is a fantastic piece of history that shows what that industry was all about. And you had guys behind the scenes trying oh, to yeah. shake and bake and they were already trying to set prices. So, that was one of the things that that, uh, that I've really enjoyed this coming out of this whole thing. So we'll see where this all goes. I don't know. I mean, I, I pray to God that the uh, yesteryear tool site comes up and so that we all have it for reference and everything like that. If not, we'll adapt. We'll figure it out. We'll go from there. You know nothing, Mike Miller. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. What do you think? Wrap that bitch up. Cut it. All right, all. Hey, two things. Really appreciate everybody taking the time, listening to this thing every week. Uh, we've been doing our best to try and get these out pretty consistently during the week and everything like that. Want to thank everybody for taking the time, listening. Share this with your friends. Let everybody know. Uh, please leave some feedback, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Podbean, whatever that you're using to listen to us. The more feedback, the better whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And uh, we really appreciate you guys taking the time. We will go from there. Stay tuned for Episode 7 next week. Later, suckers. <laughs>